And this is Encounter with God here on Faith FM. We are about to launch into another clue for the quiz. Let's yes. see if I can get it this time. All right, we're going to give double clues this time. You ready? <laughs> double ready? prizes. So if it, oh, double clues. Double clues. Yes, because Mon's, and Mon's been just hogging the airways this morning. What's with classic, that? Classic Mon. Yeah. Classic Mon gig. But it's okay. We love Mon. But check it out. So we know this is a Who Am I are quiz. Are you sure? What? what? Are you sure? That we love Mon. Yes. Well, if we didn't love her, then we she wouldn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we love Mon. But here we go. Of course we love Mon. We love you as well, as our oh. listener. Here I thought you were here. talking about me. <laughs> no. I thought you were talking about Shell. No. No, just no. talking about the listeners. Yep. That's all right. Okay, here we go. We already know that this guy was prophesied about in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3 and Malachi 3.1. But okay, here we go. Next clue. Because I would not eat or drink like others did, the experts in the law said I had a demon. Oh, look at that face. Well, there you go. Oh, 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 oh. My pen doesn't work. Well, look close. You're incorrect. You're incorrect, but we'll give another clue. Oh, I don't want to give my pen work. My I don't want. I don't want to give the next clue because you'll know who it is. Oh, I've been having a terrible time. Lately. Right, that's right. All right, ready. While in prison, I sent two men to Jesus to inquire yeah, yeah, if he yeah, really yeah, was yeah. the Messiah. So easy, so easy, so easy. Yeah. 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 Okay, whatever. So there's no double prizes up for grabs today, but still a prize. 1-800-324-843. You will get a prize. Give us a call. We love you. We want you to call us. Okay. Lyle. Yes. What are we looking at today? Revelation 12. Oh, yeah. We finished Revelation 11 yesterday. We did. Finally. It's done. It's over. It's finished. Bam. Okay. So, why don't you read for us the first verse there, please? Yes. And we're going to look for some identifying uh, characteristics. All right. Revelation chapter 12 and verse 1. Then I witnessed in heaven an event of great significance. I saw a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon beneath her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. Okay, so here we have a, the, the symbol of uh, a woman. What does a woman symbolize in Bible prophecy? A church. And is this church going to be a good church or a bad church? Um, I think it's going to be a good church. And what would indicate that this church is a good church? She's clothed with the sun. Okay. She has a garland of 12 stars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 12, 12, the 12 stars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. All right. I, I'm, I'm just going to throw it out there. Um yeah. And if we go into verse 3, the Bible says, There was another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on his heads, and his tail mm. through the third part of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to, de- to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. So if we have a woman who is in opposition to the beast, or sorry, the dragon, Satan, mm. then clearly this is a good church. Yes. So a woman in Bible prophecy symbolizes a church. One of the other things that we can note about this woman is uh, she is clothed with uh, the things that God has created. She's clothed with the, the, the creation of God, and clothing in the Bible is symbolic of character. Mm. So she is clothed with um, God's character. Yeah. And there are some significant things about the clothing that she is wearing. 
Um, what does he have around a head again? It's coming a down garland of 12 stars. Yeah, mine says a crown of 12 stars. Mm. Now, what does a star symbolize in the Bible? A star symbolizes a leader. A leader. Yes. Okay, so this gives us an indication of the time period that we are dealing with when we look at this symbol of the woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, at what point in history did the church have 12 leaders? Um, you know, in the, in the time of the Jews? Exactly. When the time of uh, this is the time of Jesus and the, the apostles, mm. uh, because there were twelve apostles, uh, twelve disciples. Um, we have Jesus and the twelve disciples. Yep. So this is this is looking at the church in the time period of Jesus mm. and of the disciples. So we, we we find, of course, in verse four and five that it in, it goes all the way back to the birth of Jesus. But that's the time period that we're looking at. Mm. What is this woman standing on? She's standing on. The moon. Okay. What is the moon a symbol of? Um, mm. oh, this I one's have, a little bit more more obscure. Man, I have Let me read no you this idea. one from <laughs> Psalms, Psalms chapter 89 and verse 37. Okay? Okay. The Bible says, It shall be established as the moon as a faithful witness in heaven. Okay. So the moon, if you look at it in the Bible, uh, gives us a couple of, uh, you, you can look at, find a couple of different characteristics that the Bible gives to the moon symbolically. Mm. First of all, the moon, uh, if you go back to Psalm 72 verse 5, you know, they shall fear you as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. Um, 72 verse 7, in his days shall the righteous flourish and abundance of peace so long as the moon endures. So we have here in the moon something that is solid, something that is enduring, something Mm. that is not going anywhere, something that is going to come up each night, Mm. something that is going to follow its cycle, um, something that is, uh, that you can trust on, you can Mm. trust in. So you've got a, a rock-solid foundation because that moon is just a big rock out there in space. Mm-hmm. You have a rock-solid foundation that you can trust in that is also described as a witness. Yeah. All right. So if we look at that a little bit further, if we go over to – ooh, where should we go? Where should we go? Um <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to Psalms chapter 19 and verse 10. Psalms 19 and verse 10. Alrighty. Psalms chapter 19. Sorry, not Psalms. Revelation 19. Revelation. What am I? I got Psalms stuck I'm in my like, head. Because uh, uh, I was looking. I'm like, why are you in the back of your Bible and you're talking about the Psalms? Have you got it written in there or something? Mm, right. No. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. Yes. The Bible says, Then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said, No, don't worship me. I am a servant of God just like you and your brothers and sisters who testify about their faith in Jesus. Worship only God for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. Okay, so the essence of prophecy is to give a what? A witness. A witness. And the moon, the Bible says, is a witness. Mm. Um, In my translation, it says, worship God for the testimony or the witness of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Prophecy. And so what you're going to find is that the moon is a symbol of the gift of prophecy that is enduring, oh. that is rock solid, that you can always count yeah, on. It is fully. always going to be there. It is not going anywhere. Mm. It stands forever. Yeah. And so when you find here the symbol of a church with 12 leaders at its head and it is standing on what? Prophecy. The testimony of the prophets. In other words, it is standing on the word of God. Mm. 
Um, and in this, the, the, the moon becomes a symbol of the word of God. So this is a church that has a rock-solid foundation mm. on the word of God. So very, very clearly, this is God's church. Mm. This is not Satan's church. Mm. There are two women in the book of Revelation. One is God's church and one is Satan's church. And when you look at the two, they are both dressed rather differently from each mm. other. Okay. Um, let's continue on here and let's look at some of the historical context of the church. In, and what you're going to find is that in Revelation 12, you've got the church. There's a prophecy all about God's church in three phases. Mm. By the way, when we were talking about repeat and enlarge, yes, this is the, this is the start of a, a, a new prophecy. This is not a prophecy of sevens like the first three in the book of Revelation mm. are. But it still starts in the same place, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. starts in the time period of the prophet and it extends through to the end of time. And so we have a continuation of the concept of repeat and enlarge in the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. um, <coughs> just as we have been noting all the way through. Okay, so we have here uh, verse 2. Did we read verse 2 yet? Yes. We did? Oh, no, we didn't. Read here we go. Here, let's read verse 2. The Bible says, She was pregnant and she cried out, because her labor pains and agony of because of the labor pains and agony of giving birth. Okay, so here we've got uh, this woman. She's about to give birth. Um, she's in a lot of pain. We just read that you know the, he also sees the great red dragon who you know drags a uh, a third of the stars from heaven and throws them to the earth. Mm. We come down to verse four. We find the dragon standing in front of the woman, ready to devour her child the moment that her child is born. Mm. Uh, Verse 5. She gave birth to a son who was to rule all nations with an iron rod, and her child was snatched away from the dragon and was caught up to God and to his throne. Thank you. Okay, so when we notice here that uh, this particular woman gives birth and this child is caught up to God and to his throne. We know exactly who this child is. This is a prophecy about Jesus Christ himself. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so this is a prophecy about Jesus. We know that. Yes. Uh, because that's the only child that's ever been bought, born here on this earth and has ascended up to God and is sitting on the throne of God. Mm. And so once again, we know that this is, um, this is God's church right here. And of course, um, it's through God's church, which of course at that time was the Jewish nation that Jesus came. And then the Bible goes on to talk about the woman in a different kind of a context. And if you notice with me verse 6, what does it say there in verse 6? The Bible says in verse 6, And the woman fled into the wilderness where God had prepared a place to care for her for 1,260 days. Thank you. There we have that prophecy, 1,260 days, and this has come up again and again and again and again and again. What does a day symbolize in Bible prophecy? A year. A year. And so what we have is God's church Fleeing into what part of the world? The wilderness. For how long? 1260 years. 1260 years. So we need to cover a little bit of prophecy to actually, a little bit of history, I should say, to actually discuss, you know, how this all took place. So at the beginning of your 1260 years, the Bible says, if we go back to Daniel chapter 7, uh, Daniel 7, we have a deep Bible study here this morning. Mm. Um, nothing like uh, getting your. Um, 
your breakfast digested over a bit of revelation. Daniel chapter 7. <laughs> what are you laughing at me for? Nothing. <laughs> and if we look at the specification, this is the first time the prophecy comes up. He shall speak great words. This is the Antichrist against the Most High and shall persecute the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they, that's the saints, will be given into his hand for 1,260 days or mm. 1,260 years. And so this is a time period of intense persecution. Mm. We've did, talked about before that during the Dark Ages, your Dark Ages really begin in 538 and extend to 1798, mm. uh, that medieval period, and this was the period where um, basically the Vatican, the church, had secular government and was able to persecute and to raise armies, and around about 150 million people died as a result of that. So really terrible uh, history that you've got running through that period of the Dark mm. Ages of persecution by Christianity of Christians. And what this resulted in, it was it, it, it forced Christianity to be pushed to the wilderness areas of the world, effectively. Mm. And so if you wanted to find people who had a copy of the Bible, who believed what the Bible said, who believed that we should follow the Bible alone, who believed in salvation by grace alone, people who even kept the Sabbath, you know, as, as it had been handed down from the apostles, then you had to go to the more remote regions of the world where persecution had pushed Christianity. And so some of these places, let's uh, consider a few. One of the very famous ones, of course, was the Celtic Church mm. in Britain. Um, St. Patrick, who went to Ireland, was uh, neither Roman nor Catholic, um, uh, but he was a saint. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, he established a very strong church there. That, and, of course, uh, that church and its educational centers spread from there to Scotland. And the Celtic Church was established in Scotland, went all the way down through England and uh, Wales. And, you know, th th these are, these are Sabbath-keeping, Bible-believing, salvation-by-grace-practicing churches. Mm. Uh, they then, you know, through Columbanus, or that was uh, Columba, who took it to Scotland, and then Columbanus, who then... Uh, uh, spread it right throughout Europe um, through the missionaries that were coming out of the little island of Iona. Wow. If you go to Iona, it's just a little empty rock kind of in the middle of <laughs> nowhere off the coast of Scotland. In looks like the most inhospitable place that you can imagine, but when I was there, it was actually a gorgeous day. Yeah. And uh, beautiful, just stunningly beautiful. Um, but you think, wow, you've got this little rock and it has such a massive impact on the whole mm. of Europe. You know, it forms the foundation for the establishment of the great Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. And when that Reformation comes along, you know, in the, in the 16th century, the followers of Columba were still keeping the Sabbath in Scotland. Yeah, wow. Um, in fact, Sunday keeping never came to Scotland until the Norman invasion of 1066 and the Saxon court which was Roman Catholic, had to flee north to, you know, the survivors had to flee north to Scotland, and uh, the Saxon princess, married uh, Margaret, married the uh, the Scottish king and um, uh, Malcolm, and, uh, yeah, tra changed the uh, religion of Scotland and brought persecution mm. to Scotland, religious persecution to Scotland. But, you know, it still survived right through to the time of the Reformation. Yeah, wow. Uh, we could think about other parts of the world, uh, the uh, Jude, who is famous in the Bible for writing the book of Jude, mm -hmm. was a missionary to Armenia. Yeah, wow. And he uh, 
established Christianity there, and of course that was a Bible-believing, salvation-by-grace, Sabbath-keeping church right through until the 19th century, you know, mm. um, unchanged right the way through. And of course, you know, this was preserved in some of the remotest parts of the world. In fact, um, it was preserved in some parts that were so remote that they were the last parts of our planet ever to be mapped. Mm. That's, you know, that's, yeah. that's the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm about to travel to Ethiopia. Yeah. What, you and I are both We're both to, going to Ethiopia. You've got the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, and he mm. goes down to Ethiopia, and he carries the gospel with him. And, of course, Christianity is established there, but it's kind of weak. And then you have another, um, you know, a couple of hundred years later, you have a, a, a couple of slaves who turn up in Ethiopia, and the court of, you know, the, the, the Ethiopian uh, kingdom is converted to Christianity through their witness. Mm. And that becomes a Bible-believing, salvation-by-grace-alone-believing church that exists there in Ethiopia, and it keeps the Sabbath right the way from there through until the 20th century, unbroken. Mm. Um, you've got the same thing so taking good. place in India. You have uh, Thomas. Yeah, the Thomas Christians. I was, yes. I was just thinking of that about that guy. Yes, absolutely. And they, once again, they're the same kind of Christians. They believe in the Bible, salvation by grace alone. They keep the Sabbath mm. until the Jesuits arrive there and uh, establish the Inquisition <laughs> yeah. to kill them all. <laughs> Rough kid. Same in Japan. We could talk about yeah. the same in Japan. The same in China, you know, right the way through until the 17, 1800s. It's existing there in China. Um, and so we, you know, we could go around the world from one part of the world to another to another. And in the remote parts of the world, and I'm talking about remote from Rome. Mm. But in the parts of the world that were, that were remote from Rome, we have people who believe the Bible. Mm. And this is why the Bible says that the woman would flee into the wilderness. You know, one of the really bizarre things is that um, out of all of the places where Christianity was preserved, and I know I'm saying way too much here, but um, I do love history, and you've got me started on history. Yeah. So this is my history, <laughs> my history rant for the day. Do you know one of the places where um, Bible-believing Christianity preserve, was preserved at? Where? Tell me, Lyle. Italy. 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 Ooh. Wow. Italy. In Italy. In Italy. Where where to? Like Okay, so here's what you've got in Italy, and this is fascinating. In Italy, in the north, you have the Alps. Mm. Now there's one part of those Alps called the Waldensian Valleys. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I've traveled there myself. And basically what the Waldensian Valleys are is one massive natural fortress. Yeah, wow. Well. On a scale that you have never seen before. Mm. And it was such an impregnable fortress that the early Christianity that came to um, Italy under the influence of the Apostle Paul was preserved there right through to the time of the Reformation. Yeah, wow. In an unbroken chain. Um, this, was a, this was a church that was never a part of, of Rome, ever. And, um, yeah, just an amazing history. And, of course, because it was in the center of Europe, it's on the, it's, it's in Italy, for goodness sake. You know, mm. this is where the Vatican is. There's, like, next door. Yeah. Um, they suffered 800 years of continual warfare to try and destroy them. Mm. Their population, you know, um, sort of 25,000 thereabouts, not a lot of them, mm. not a huge population. But they lived in such a natural fortress that any army that ever went in there with professional soldiers up against peasants, mind you, 
mm. just peasants, estimated that it would cost them 100 men for every Waldensian they were able to kill. <laughs> 800 years of continual warfare and they were never able to be dislodged. Mm. Such a famous story that Napoleon himself specifically travelled to the Waldensian valleys to discover the tactics, because he was such a student of, of history, to discover the tactics that they had used um, in irregular warfare mm. to defeat their enemies. He wanted to know all about it. So, yes, yeah, an incredible history of the church in the wilderness. Anyway, this is Lesser Light Collective. Who's this girl? Drag 
Listening to the Lesser Light Collective. Who's this girl here on Faith FM? And can you imagine there being a more appropriate song than that one? Okay, so Lawson, what have you got there for right, our next right. clue for I'm, our I'm quiz? Just gonna, I'm just going to give a cheeky another double clue, just just because I'm so generous. Okay, all right. I'm so generous, and Why I'm not? just, I just, I, I'm, I think people can win this one. Again, 1-800-324-843. That is the number if you get this right. So, we already know that know this guy was prophesied about. We already know that while he was in prison, he sent a couple men to Jesus to inquire that he if he was really the Messiah. Okay, here's the next two clues. I am the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Okay, but here's, here's the banger. I baptize Jesus. Yeah, okay, that kind of gives it away. All right. Moving on. Who baptized Jesus? If you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 is the number to call. And don't forget, I just want to put this reminder out there if uh, some people contact us and say, hey, we're struggling getting a good radio signal and when Mm. we drive, it sort of cuts in and out. The solution to that is grab your phone, go to faithfm.com.au, press play, um, or download one of the radio apps and just run your phone through your car stereo system and you will have perfect reception Australia-wide. Bam. And so, um, yeah, we want to get as many people on that system as possible because that's where you will um, be fully blessed. Anyway, so here we have this uh, we have this depiction of this woman mm-hmm. um, and uh, the church here that uh, gives birth to Jesus Christ and then, of course, goes into the wilderness. And we've been talking about how that uh, the church was in the wilderness during the Dark Ages. And the Bible says that at the end of that time period, she's going to come out of the wilderness. But we have to try and figure out, well, okay, what was this all about? What, what, why was you know the dragon so upset? And why did the dragon drive the church into the wilderness? Why did the dragon, why did Satan try and destroy the church dur- during this time period of history? And we find the answers to that with another section in parentheses, Ooh, in brackets. Here we go. So we have, uh, this is the third time we've come across this now. Mm. where the Bible gives a bit of a backtrack and gives some background information as to how all of this came about. And then what you're going to find in Revelation 12 is that the Bible is going to pick the story back up again, and as it picks it back up again, it'll give you sort of like a uh, um, a little previously, mm. um, just to catch you up to date. Last time on Revelation 12. That's right. <laughs> uh, I'll give you some previouslys. On uh, Revelation 12, and then it will continue on with the prophecy to talk about our day. Mm. Super exciting. Yeah. 
Uh, where were we? We were in uh, Revelation chapter 12. Let's now read verse 7. All right, let's go. Revelation 12 and verse 7, the Bible says, Then there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and his angels. And the dragon lost the battle, and he and his angels were forced out of heaven. The, this great dragon, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, the one... The one deceiving the whole world was thrown down to the earth with all his angels. Okay, here's an interesting uh, an, an interesting prophecy here. The Bible talks about war in heaven mm-hmm. and Satan being thrown out of heaven. Mm-hmm. How far back have we gone in history? Well, we've we've gone gone right back to the start. This is yeah. This is you know roughly around the time of creation. Just it was actually just, before just creation. Before, yeah, it was before creation, because we find that when um, you know on the sixth day of creation, when Jesus is taking Adam around the Garden of Eden and introducing everything to him in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is already there. Mm. So we know that this takes place just before creation, and the Bible does not go into detail as to what kind of a war was this—a war of ideologies? Was this uh, you know fisticuffs, whatever it was? Um, very clearly, it was a war of ideologies. We do know that. Um, we do know some background history as to what Satan was trying to accomplish. He wanted to rule the mm. universe. He wanted to overtake the government of God. Uh, his his biggest sin was his pride. He thought that he was you know good enough to be God himself. And so he starts this war in heaven. He starts this war over the law of God, the Bible says. He's trying to do away with the law mm. of God. He's been trying to do away with the law of God ever since. And so as Satan is warring against the government of God and warring against the law of God in heaven, of course he's not going to win. Mm. But we do find that a third of the stars are dragged out of heaven with him. Yeah. What are the stars? Leaders. Leaders. Or? In this context? Angels. Angels, absolutely. And this is why there are demons here on this earth. Mm. And we're going to talk more about that during question time. But a third of the angels sided with Satan. Mm. So we sort of look at the issues in a very simplistic way from, you know, from Earth, from our perspective. Mm. We also look at it in the context of having witnessed 6,000 years of sin. We know the result. But these were angels who were deceived and who followed Satan. And Satan must have put forward some very, very powerful arguments back then. Mm. But they chose, no, that's it. We are going to rebel. And, of course, Satan has nowhere in the universe to go. Mm. He's thrown out of heaven. There is nowhere in the universe that will accept him, except this earth has just been created and this earth has not been given the opportunity to exercise their power of choice. And without the power of choice, love does not exist. And so this earth is given that opportunity. And here on this earth, Satan gains a toehold in the universe. Mm. It's just a toehold, nothing more. But he gains it here on this earth and is able to remain here for a period of time, uh, which, you know, that's, that's, that's tragic for our earth. Okay, in the war in heaven, who is it that goes to war against Satan? Michael. And? His angels. So what does that imply about Michael? He is the leader of the angels. The leader of the angels, the leader of the armies of heaven, right? Mm. So if you want to find out who that is, you simply go over to the book of Joshua, and the Bible tells you who the leader is. Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13 through 15. 
15. Lawson, you got that one for us? Yeah. Joshua chapter 5. Page 10, page 10. For some reason, this one is always a really emotional issue um, when you discuss it. People get really bent out of shape mm. over this one. But anyway, Joshua 5. Yeah. Starting in verse 13. Okay. The, the Bible says in Joshua 5 and verse 13, Joshua, when Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you a friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I am the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell on his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And Joshua did, as he was told. So who is the commander of the angels, the commander of the Lord's army? This guy right here. And who is this guy right here? Probably Michael. Probably Michael. And what kind of a person is this guy right here? He's okay. a guy. Let me, give you, let me give you a clue. What does Joshua do when he recognizes him? He worships. He worships him. And how does um, this guy respond? Does he say, no, don't do that, I'm no, just an he, angel? He says, take your shoes off, this because is holy this is ground. ground. Yes. That's exactly what happened when Moses met Jesus at the burning bush. Mm. So if you want to know who the commander of the armies of heaven is, the commander of the armies of heaven is Jesus. Mm. And Michael is another name for Jesus. Yeah. And there's many different ways of looking at that. Some people freak out like, oh, you're making Jesus into an angel that makes him a created being. No, it does not. Jesus is not a created being. He's sovereign ruler and creator of the entire universe. He is eternal. He has existed from eternity. He will exist to eternity. Yeah. Calling Jesus uh, an angel does not make him a created being. It makes him a messenger because that was Mm. what the word means. It simply means messenger. Anyway, let's be followers of Jesus today. This is the Cox family.
What is happening in Raymond Terrace? Well, our church is having the grand opening of our brand new facility. Awesome! When is it? 9th of March, 2019, and it starts with breakfast at 9 a.m., and there's going to be waffles, and everyone's invited. Whereabouts? 45 William Street, Raymond Terrace, which is just beside Raymond Terrace Marketplace. Be there. Are you looking for a way to turn your life experience into an enriching gift for helping those around you? A counselling degree at Avondale College of Higher Education could provide you a great foundation to assist others through life's difficulties. Study in a personalised environment alongside a fantastic support network and community on our Lake Macquarie campus. Apply to study counselling today at counselling.avondale.edu.au. It's higher education designed for life. Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of all. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him Lord of Seat of Israel's race, he ransomed from the fall. Hail, hail, who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Hail, him who saves you by his grace and crown him Lord of all. Terrestrial ball to him, all majesty ascribe and crown him, Lord. 
dusty a scribe and crown him Lord of Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, or 88, or on the internet, wherever you are. Lyle. Oh, yes. Got some. Oh, got some. We got, got a some, question of the day just, just coming, coming straight into the <laughs> office right as we are uh, speaking. So don't forget if you've got a question of the day that you'd like to send in, send it in because sometimes it will get answered like this even at the very last minute. Okay, here yes. we go. All right. So, the question of the day is, are you ready? It has just come in. I'm just turning my pages to find the passage right now. All right. Where do evil spirits come from? Okay, and the question is particularly in reference to uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 43 through 45, uh, where it says this, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places seeking rest and doesn't find any. Then he says, I will return to my house from where I came out. And when he, he has come, he finds it empty and swept and garnished and clean. He Then he goes and he takes with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and live there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it also be unto this Wicked generation. Very, very strong words by Jesus Christ himself right there, where he just comes straight out and talks to that generation and says, you are a wicked generation. Mm. Okay, so what are we talking about in this particular passage? Okay, first of all, where do, where do evil spirits come from? We were studying that in Revelation chapter 12, if you were uh, listening before the break, how that when Satan rebelled in heaven, the Bible says he swept swept away a third of the angels who became his followers. And angels, of course, are ministering spirits. That's what the Bible says. They are spirit beings. And so the reason that there are evil or wicked spirits here on this earth is because that Satan in heaven uh, deceived them and they have become his followers. And, of course, this earth is the only place in the universe that they have any access to. Okay, but what's this particular passage talking about here when it talks about, you know, uh, an evil spirit that inhabits a person? When somebody gives their life over to Satan, then, you know, Satan fills them, Satan works through them, and sometimes we meet people who are totally under the control of one of Satan's evil spirits. Then that person might have an experience in their life where they decide, you know what, I'm going to get my life together. And they might go to, you know, to church, they might give their life to Jesus Christ. And, you know, because they want to get rid of these demons out of their life and the demons are forced to leave from their life. They're now clean. And what so often happens is that it's like, ah, now I'm clean. Now there's no evil spirits in my life. Now I can go and live how I please. It's a little bit like, you know, somebody who, you know, is really suffering from, say, a, a cancer. Let's say cancer. And they decide, you know what, I'm going to get my lifestyle in order. And they start to eat right and they start to drink water and they start to exercise and they go through all of the eight laws of health and the cancer goes away. Mm. And once the cancer's going away, they're like, ah, now I can binge. And so they start to binge on, you know, high sugar, high fat, high 
protein, high this, high meat, everything else, and suddenly the cancer comes back seven times worse than it had ever been before. We know that in a physical sense, and the Bible says that it takes place in a spiritual sense. If you come to Jesus and Jesus cleans up your life, you're like, great, my life is great now, I can relax and live however I want. Well, that doesn't make any sense because Jesus doesn't want you to live your life however you want. He wants to transform your life. He wants to make you into a different person. And so, and that's what conversion is all about. The word conversion simply means to be changed. And so, if you're, uh, you know, if you find that yourself that you're going through, you're giving your life to Jesus Christ, but you then like, okay, I've given my life to Jesus. He's cleaned the evil spirits out, but I don't want to change. Mm. Then what happens is the person typically falls further back and into worse sin than they had ever lived in before. So it becomes far worse for them than anything they had ever experienced before that particular point. And so what we find here is Jesus giving a very vivid illustration uh, to the Pharisees at this particular time of the danger of having their life clean, but not having their life filled with the Holy Spirit. If their life is empty, no Holy Spirit there, then demons are going to come in and they are going to take over. That's question of the day. Came in uh, just at the last minute, but there it is. This is one clear voice. I'm trying to be like Jesus. You'll listen to Faith FM.
listening to one clear voice i'm trying to be like jesus here on faith fm we have come to the end of the breakfast show which means that we are about to give you something for free yes for free lyle okay so dial these numbers into your phone be the first one to call through 1-800-324-843 that is 1-800-FAITH-FM Lawson, what are we giving away? All right, so I've got a book. Mm-hmm. I've got a book, mm-hmm. and it's by a man by the name of John Bradshaw, someone that I know I you, heard of this guy you and you and Shell have a bit of history history with. Yes, some I good have history, heard of, I have some heard of this guy funny before. history, some awkward history, and interesting history. <laughs> but um, now this book is called Babylon Rising. I got to tell a story on John Bradshaw one of these days. Yeah, good. I got him coming up for an interview sometime as well. Oh, so yes. My wife is shaking her head. She's like, "No, don't be telling stories." <laughs> But uh, this book, Babylon Rising, we've been talking about Revelation and, um, you know, going through the Antichrist and times of persecution and whatnot. And um, this is specific, you know, Babylon Rising is specifically referencing that period of time. Um, So, yeah, it just goes through. um, Well, it says right here on the back of the book, Revelation speaks of a mysterious power that rises to the height of global domination. It will strip the world of religious freedom and grip national economies in a financial stranglehold, culminating with the mark of the beast. So if you want to learn more about this thing, um, dive deeper in, give us a call 1-800-324-843 and we will give you this book completely for free. Mm, interesting Bam. image on the front of a, um, of Ooh, an an obelisk with the Illuminati triangle single <laughs> symbol or the whole bit happening right here. Dude, so, I love it. Yeah, great guy John Bradshaw and a great book that is on offer here today. Give us a call 1-800- Three two four eight four three. Be the first caller through, and this is yours for free. Of course, we have a number of Bible study courses that you can do. Give us a call as well. Contact us if you want to get in touch with anyone. Hey, study the Bible with me if you want, if you live in the Newcastle area. But you can join us again tomorrow on Faith FM. Deliver me from my rise up against me.